won't stop firing! I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like, literally green. My last nav check put me at Lagrange Point 4. This is Control, be radio. Keep calm, and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Sits and Sivs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 80 and was recorded July 17th and made available for download July 21st at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Lennon. And I'm Jeff. So, what have we got this week, Jeff? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we fly by the furthest not planet in the solar system. In CIG News, we bring you our weekly crowdfunding update, 10 for the Producers Episode 9, the latest news from Derek Smart Saga, and the Star Marine Weekly Update. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we check out life aboard a Starliner. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sivs, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole four days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank everybody who's already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. Special note this week, the patches have been ordered. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the scoop box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. The situation normal. This is Tony saying, welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Okay, okay, no tricks, no gimmicks, no gotchas this week. This week is pure cool. The New Horizons probe coasted right through its Plutonian rendezvous with nary a space dust scratch and has begun transmitting a few early images back to a captive Earthling audience. Preliminary low-res images taken just prior to its closest approach show a smooth and young dwarf planetary surface, which appears to be composed of ice so cold it's harder than rock, sprinkled with a light dusting of tholins, which are hydrocarbons sautéed in a light solar wind and tossed in a thin nitrogen bouillon. Its largest moon, Sharon, on the other hand, is older, kind of beat up, and there's a huge six-mile-deep crack on one side. You know, it's what folks in the planetary real estate business call a fixer-upper. Oh, but we're not done with you yet, New Horizons. Oh, no, there's more sciencing for you to science. Using the faint moonlight from Pluto's dwarf lunar companions, NASA scientists will check out the darkest place in the solar system, Pluto's backside. And using the faint sunlight of the sun... The probe will look for the telltale occlusion of potential ring systems. And God Almighty and the United States Congress willing, the mission will be extended until 2019 for a flyby of an additional Kuiper Belt object. If all goes perfectly, scientists will continue to receive signals from the probe until 2030 or so. At that point, New Horizons will be twice as far from the Earth as it is today, joining Pioneers 1 and 2 and Voyagers 1 and 2 outside the heliosphere. How will it stay active so long? The power of Pluto. Neum. Uh, 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 okay, sorry. But even if the additional mission isn't funded, there are still some fancy maneuvers to pull off. In a previous Squawk Box, we talked about how mission managers were considering altering the probe's orientation to prevent potential damage from dust or rocks. New Horizon is one solid machine. No moving parts, no telescoping instrument arms, no gimbaled sensor pods. The reason we've only seen low-res pictures so far is because New Horizon has been keeping all of its sensitive gear 
including its high-gain antenna, pointed at Pluto. Plus, despite its mighty nuclear heart and the $723 million we spent on it, there's not enough onboard power for the probe to navigate and transmit at the same time. It's taken short breaks from observation to check in and send bursts of data back just in case it does plow into a space rock. But in order for us to get back all those deep space paparazzi shots, flight controllers will have to induce a lateral spin to keep New Horizons stable as it flies uncontrolled into the deep black. Then, my friends, it will take about a year for the probe to transmit its data back to Earth at a mind-boggling 2,000 bits per second. That's about 8.7 GEFs in the metric system. That was a little joke about your bandwidth problem. I know, I know. I just, I was converting. That was a joke. I was converting that and going, oh my God, that's slow. <laughs> Wait, oh my God, that's, wow, that's terrible. Apparently there's gigabytes, it's got to be gigabytes of data if it's going to take a year. If it's 2,000 bits per second. Okay, now I have to do this now. Okay, 2,000 bits per second. This is probably not good radio, but now I'm curious just how much data it's going to send back. So it's 2,000 bits divided by 8 bits in a byte. That's 250 bytes times 60 seconds in a minute times 60 minutes in an hour times 24 hours in a day times 365 days. That's 7.884 times 10 to the 9th bytes. That's that's giga, right? right. 9 is giga? Right. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, 7.8 gigabytes. That's a lot of pictures. I don't even know if I have that many pictures on my computer. Do you know what the resolution of the camera is as well? I'm just wondering if we can figure out how many pictures. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, just pictures. I think that's spectral analysis right. uh, yeah, uh, and stuff. other data because they're not looking at Pluto with just a camera lens. They're looking at it with spectral analysis and infrared right. and yeah. all that other stuff. Yeah, there's like five to seven instruments on there. Yeah, exactly. Good point. So not all of its pictures, but probably most of it. And of course, they found a giant heart on the side of it. Yes. Pluto saying, I love you, Earth, for sending us a probe. Where's it going? Oh, my God. But unfortunately, you're not a planet anymore, so nobody cares. No, nobody at all. Except everybody does. Don't let them know. Don't let Pluto know we care. Oh, it's far enough away. They won't find out that we're admirers from afar. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for July 17, 2015, 85,102,000, up about 140,000 from last week. Star Citizens now number 925,000, up about 3,000. And the UE Eat has, I, I would like to use the word swelled, but this doesn't even qualify as swelling. We've uh, got another 2,000 ships, up to 733,000 vessels. A new episode of 10 for the Producers was released this week in which Darian Vorlick and Eric Chiron Davis tackled 10 questions sent in from the subscribers. This week, the subscribers didn't hold back, and for the most part, the producers were not shy about giving some straight answers. As always, there's some great info in these, and we highly encourage you to check them out. But we wanted to talk to you about some of our favorite points. Firstly, Citizen X Todd Man X asks, Why was the decision made to merge Star Marine and Arena Commander so early in the build? Couldn't we have kept them as separate modules? And Darian replies that essentially the longer you continue building two separate products, the harder it is to merge them together later. If one branch develops unique features, it can be hard to integrate without introducing new bugs. Well, here's the flip side of that, though, is that they've given away their biggest advantage in parallel development not hindering one branch that's having trouble by making other branches wait for them to get their stuff together. 
Remember that this is a game being built in progress and we we're just alpha testers. We're more their guests than their customer right now. No, I, you make a good point. I think this is the tension. I mean, this I think this is the argument, and they probably had a version of this discussion when they decided to do it. And, the you know, it's uh, do we merge it now and reduce the chance of bugs cropping up in the build later on, or do we wait and do iterative releases on the separate modules as we are able to, and then wait until, you know, it's actually time to put them all together. The future will will tell which one, you know, if, if maybe this was not such a wise decision. I, I think in the moment, maybe people are wishing they hadn't done it. I think strategically, it was probably a bad idea. I think they probably should have gone with the strength of parallel processes and then waited till the you know later on till all the bits were working together wait till they had four or five planetary environments ready to go wait till they had all the animations hooked up in uh, star marine wait till they had arena commander flight controls and physics where they wanted them and then when the generic instant manager actually worked put them together and yeah there might have been more bugs and, and more difficulties trying to get the platforms to merge but in the interim you still would have had three separate possibly working modules Lennon. Honestly, I completely agree with you, and it's not often I say that, so I decided to shut up instead. I think there's good arguments both ways. I mean, well, the, certainly, but the fact of the matter. But looking at but looking at it from their standpoint, and not from us sitting in our chairs wishing that we had the game to play. No, I agree well, with Jeff. I, well, no, now hang on, hang on, I'm gonna bring it back. The problem is that the unique crowdfunding environment that they're in, we are stakeholders of a different type. And Jeff, from your perspective, and that's one of the reasons why we have you comment on these things, somebody who has been involved in many alpha tests and who has to deploy software in his work-a-day environment, you're right. But in this situation, they have a lot of stakeholders which have contributed money with the expectation of playing broken things that eventually get better as time goes on and having a front-row seat to yes, that process. Yes, but as a stakeholder, what, what's my recourse? I mean, I donated based on what I believed mm. of what they were going to be producing at the end of this, you know. Good question. <laughs> I bet we come back to that topic later in the news segment, yeah, I was too. Say, if you want a refund, I, I know a guy who can hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> and following on from that, Citizen Buyakasha asks if the near-constant iterations and updates to Arena Commander and in the future Star Marine actually helps with the overall progress of the project or hinders it, i.e. if they didn't have to plan to release playable builds, would the game be further along in production? Eric lets us know that actually they benefit a lot from the things that come up during making a playable build, and that the feedback from the live players definitely helps. Whenever they see people actively playing Star Citizen, it gets them excited, and it makes them want to make more. If you needed a reason to play Arena Commander, there you have it. Get out there, play it, find bugs, report them, and help make this the best damn space sim ever. Part of the iterative process is, you know, practicing making the build, practicing publishing it, practicing getting the patch out there, and, and you know, I mean... God forbid if they had actually not done this and pushed the thing out with totally with with the net code that they had before, right? If they had gotten into development and found out they couldn't have eight versus eight matches, can you imagine what a pit we would have been in at that point? Like, say it was mid-2015 and no one had ever tried the old net code that they had to tear out and rip apart? Well, well I'll, oh, I mean, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, we use this... CAD ABL software at work by this big company who's big in the industry who shall remain nameless and we're in the middle of an upgrade right now and trying to, to work out and it, we've been in this middle of this upgrade for 18 months 
<laughs> yes, this is an example of what it's like to have big enterprise applications in the workplace. It's a huge deal. And I wish that they would follow the RSI model. I mean, I really do. It would have been probably a lot more, well, I think we'd be further along than what we really are. Well, I mean, I think that they are trying to strike the balance and they brought this up and actually in response to another question, but it kind of feeds into this is there's a problem with making things transparent versus the need to be flexible. They want to show us what they're doing and they want to show us where they're at. But at the same time, if you have to lock yourself into some sort of rigid schedule, okay, we're going to tell everybody where we're at now, and we're going to tell everybody where we're at now, and we're going to tell everybody where we're at now, it's almost like teaching to the test, right? You lock yourself into, we've got to get something done for this week because we have to show this amount of progress. Or if we don't show progress this week, people are going to think that there's a problem. You know, if you get too transparent, you lose some internal flexibility with, eh, let that less important thing go for now, focus on I, this I thing. also think you lose um, some credibility, too, because what about if you're on yeah. such a tight, rigid schedule that you don't produce and you don't follow through? And then and then all the, you know, the haters come out and it's like, oh, my God, just, you know, this is a game in development. I wish more people clued in on that fact. Well, maybe they do clue right. in, but they're just their expectations are are a little bit higher than what my expectations are. Yeah. It's hard to judge what somebody's expectations are. And there's no real right answer to a lot of these questions. I mean, what is the balance between transparency and flexibility? Eh, somewhere in the middle. What was the right thing to do? Merge the modules earlier so that you can uh, reduce the risk of, of humongous bugs later on or keep them separate to take advantage of the parallel development process? Eh? Yeah. No one's ever done it before, so no one knows what the right answer is. I mean, maybe we'll know what the, quote, right answer is after the end of this project has come and gone. But until then, this is a big experiment. Nobody really knows what the right thing to do is. Well, some people think they know what the right thing to do is, <laughs> don't they, Lennon? Yes, yes, they do. Well, hot on the heels of last week's dosage of drama brought to you by Derek Smart comes yet another article from the very same author. Uh, we covered last week how Derek decided to take to the interwebs, uh, posting various comments about Star Citizen's development. And in a second blog post of equally broad claims against CRG, Derek demands that RSI and all of its subsidiaries need to be investigated right now. And the third installment of his five-digit word count diatribe was published just this very morning. He's been doing every podcast that will have him on, tweeting for all he's worth, and drumming up as much attention as he can, including stating his intention is to buy a full-page ad in the New York Times. In between the publication of the chapters of his repetitive and filled novella, seriously, he used that word quite a lot in his latest post, Derek tweeted a link to a spreadsheet on Google Docs where you could add your name if you wanted a refund. Well, what he linked you to was actually an out-of-date copy of the Goonrathi's fleet roster, pre-filled with each member's info, what ships they'd purchased, and how much they spent. Oh, bad idea. Yes. This in itself caused a lot of backlash from the Goonrathi fleet, as this was done without the permission of the members, and seemed to strongly imply that everybody on the list wanted a refund, something that just simply wasn't true. Oh, and uh, as we pointed out last week, Derek himself is actually a star citizen backer from the early days on Kickstarter, who was very, very careful to point out in his articles that he wasn't looking for a refund, 
But if you wanted a refund, he was happy to provide you with the address of your United States Federal Trade Commission to turn in CIG for conning you out of your cash. Yet he basically said, I want to save you from this scam, but please let me fall victim to it. In unrelated news, Mr. Smart has nominated himself for sainthood, and Pope Francis has called the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Dalai Lama to check his references. Now, it turns out that Mr. Smart, being an original backer, is subject to Section 5 of the Kickstarter Terms of Service, which, I I mean, I know I'm certainly familiar with it. Everyone here is familiar with it. But for those of you that aren't, Section 5 states that project creators may cancel or refund a backer's pledge at any time and for any reason, and if they do so, they are not required to fulfill the reward. Yes, CIG said, thank you, Mr. Smart, but uh, no thank you, and dutifully returned his money to him. Having received a refund without asking for one, Derek is now consulting with Legal to see if he can decline the refund. Yeah. In fact, as of the morning this show was recorded, he has committed to escrowing up to $1 million of his own money towards getting CIG to fully disclose its entire financial history, from private jet flights to office space rental contracts. And failing that, he sent CIG a direct warning. He's got them right where he wants them, because Ben's post clarifying why Derek was unilaterally refunded, which was apparently also circulated to any media who asked CIG to comment, to Derek, that constitutes defamation. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, kids. All right, okay. This is the last stop for the crazy train that we have been calling Smartwatch, okay? Unless and until he actually hires a real attorney to file an actual lawsuit. Here's his parting shot at CIG from his last article. Quote, and while you're pacing the room, this is directed to CIG, ponder the fact that I reside in Florida. These are our defamation laws and guidelines, which he helpfully links to. And Florida recognizes the substantial truth protection, which he also helpfully links to. Read that last link very carefully. Emphasis in original. Very well, Mr. Smart. Let's do that, shall we? Okay, everybody, strap yourselves in. I'm going straight into adjunct law professor mode here at the University of Guard Frequency College of Lawyerationing. Disclaimer, I'm only licensed in Kansas and Utah, not Florida, so the opinions you're about to hear do not constitute legal advice and are offered for educational entertainment purposes only for legal advice. Please consult an attorney licensed in your jurisdiction. Okay, we clear? Here we go. From the Digital Media Law Project website, located at uh, a website which we'll link to in the show notes, under Florida law, the elements of defamation claim are, everybody, the defendant published a false statement, well, like putting stuff on a website like, like Ben did uh, when he commented on the uh, uh, refund controversy. Number two, it has to be about the plaintiff, which would be Derek Smart. Three, to a third party, which would be everybody who read the forums, and, or to the media that requested the uh, CIG comment. And four, the falsity of the statement caused injury to the plaintiff. Now, there are two important things there. The statement has to be false and it has to have injured the plaintiff. So CIG has to say things that are not true, and that not-truthfulness has to hurt Mr. Smart. Now, he also makes very special reference to the substantial truth doctrine, which I quote is, The substantial truth defense is particularly powerful because a judge will often grant summary judgment, that's automatic win, to the defendant, thus disposing of the case before it goes to trial. If the defendant can show that the statement the plaintiff is complaining about is substantially true, making the defense a quick and easy way to get out of a long and expensive case. Okay, lawyers speak off. That means he's got it backwards. If he wants to complain that CIG is making bad statements about him, 
he just handed CIG their defense. So this is, I mean, this, this, as a lawyer, this boggles my mind. It's like he's got it exactly backwards. He's not consulting with, quote, legal. Uh, he's reading some stuff on a website and deciding what it means for himself. Now, here's the other possibility, which I think is even funnier. He might also have it backwards. You know, rather than having it backwards, he might also have it backwards because he might be trying to bait CIG into suing him for defamation by making all these false claims and stuff. And he would say, well, what I've said is mostly true. He wants to bait CIG into suing him so he can get all the CIG people into a room with his lawyer so he can ask some embarrassing questions. Hey, guys, Lennon, Jeff, who's Chris Roberts' partner? Do you know his name? Oh, um, Ortwin, Mr. Lawyer Bloke. Yes, Ortwin Fryermove. That's the guy. Who is an experienced, veteran, entertainment lawyer. If you think he's going to walk into this really amateurishly laid trap, think think Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner. Like when the Wile E. Coyote puts the giant like claw thing and puts a little pile of bird seed in the middle of it and like hides behind the rock and expects the Roadrunner to like get it snapped. That's that's the level we're playing on here. So I'm really, really sure at this point this is absolutely, completely not worth our time. Yeah. So, in closing, we feel it appropriate to dismiss Mr. Smart with a forum post from The Wingman. Look, I am no longer at CIG, but I recall when Chris and I were working at Origin, Derek Smart sent several negative emails accusing us of stealing his ideas, etc. The guy is just not worth the time to read. He is just trying to get attention, something none of us should ever give to him. IMHO, I think that CIG did the right thing here. That guy is just not worth the trouble. And the only reason that we've been talking about this guy is because he has been bringing up in a terribly inartful and stupid way some of the things we've been talking about on the show. And, I mean, again, we, we tried to separate the message from the messenger last week, right? Saying that, hey, maybe there's some criticisms here or some things that CIG could do better. And, and as we pointed out earlier in the show, on 10 for the producers, they did make a good attempt at answering some kind of straightforward, tough questions about development choices. See, that's fine. And you were saying, Jeff, earlier... That, hey, people's expectations are what govern this entire prospect. Mr. Smart expects CIG to fail. The rest of us sort of expect them to muddle through and get something out the door that approximates the promises that they made to us. So this is all about expectations. And he's got one set, and we have a completely different set. I think we have the facts to back it up. He's fishing for the facts to back up his. It just It's so just I, amazing to me that gone. some I'm people think that they're owed so much. I, exactly. Oh, it's just... In lawyer speak, it's called duties. CIG has no duties to him or really to any of us. When you hit send on the credit card button there, you have zero legal claim to this ever coming true, guys. Zero. Let's just make sure we're all very abundantly clear on that. We have every expectation that CIG will be able to deliver on the vast majority of these promises or a substantial amount of these promises. That's a reasonable expectation when you send in the credit card. We got no guarantees, but I think that if you stop expecting CIG to deliver, they won't deliver. <laughs> if, 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 if we all suddenly turn on them, everybody there who takes such great pride in their work and who stays the extra hours to push out one last bill to the backers, they'll just stop trying real hard. So it really does become a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you want to be negative about it, you go right ahead. But Ben Lesnick made the right call. Goodbye. Here's your money back. Don't need you. See you around. 
that's exactly the right thing to do. Yeah, I completely agree. And what's kind of annoying is that, like, like you were saying last week, unfortunately, he did. If you separate the message from the messenger, there were some valid concerns in there, but. It is like saying, yeah, there's a couple of flakes of gold in that massive pile of horse diarrhea. It's it's, <laughs> it's just not uh, worth yeah. wading through, and there's no way you can yeah. take it seriously because yeah. it's horse it, diarrhea. It, yeah, whatever, whatever constructive dialogue he might have had with anybody on this topic, it's just forget it. Yeah. You know, as an attorney, someone brings you a, a set of facts and – you want to find a case for them, right? Because number one, it's your paycheck, right? Yeah. You know, you try to make a case for somebody. But on the other hand, there are so many people that need your help that if they don't have a case, you just need to get them out of your office. No matter how much they think that they've got a case here, you need to find some way to convince them that, I'm sorry, you did something dumb or your expectations are way out of line from reality and you need to drop this or go find an attorney that has a lot of time to waste on a fruitless chase. It's Friday, and it means that's another Star Marine update. We here at Guard Frequency look forward to the end of this weekly segment, and we look forward to changing the name of another weekly segment. But until then, we recommend you check out this article linked to our show notes. Some of the highlights from this post include animations galore, jukes, cover, holstering, drawing, ducking, breathing, shooting, and getting shot. The winner of the gunsight poll, the ghost sight, will be the standard for the ATT-4 rifle. And more animations, clipping, climbing, crouching, changing weapons, running, springing, and death. And finally, the blockers. We called them out last week on the show, and apparently the forms noticed as well. This week, CIG fessed up with, quote, neck code issues. For the last couple of weeks, I have read backer comments that we've been glossing over them. It's true, I was, but only because they're difficult to drill down to. What we're seeing in the playtest are issues deploying gadgets, firing at targets that weren't where you'd expect, and other issues that can look like high latency situations, even with solid connection to the server. Issues like this can and will exacerbate other smaller issues that on their own may not feel like a big problem. The netcode is improving, Wait till you see 16-player arena commander matches in 1.1.5, but there's still certainly work left to be done. And from earlier in the report, we're continuing to investigate a cause for issues with player prediction that are currently resulting in teleporting and hits not syncing up between clients properly. I am so glad. I am so glad that they're going to start drilling into this. And yeah, it's tough to, to probably translate this into English for, you know, people like me, but kudos and hats off them for making a, a first attempt. Probably they didn't want to because it sounds to me like there's a problem here. I'm not a computer guy. Arena Commander is smooth like butter, right? He says he wants you to try out the 8 versus 8 on, on Arena Commander, but Star Marine is bottlenecking, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, it's it looks like high latency, but it isn't. You know, I'm not a computer guy, but if it's not the network, it's got to be what? I reckon it's probably Anyone? too many moving parts. Like too many moving parts. Yeah, if they've got, um, for example, all the skeletal animations, the stop, the starts, the different motion states, um, they're trying to render bullets. Whereas most things like uh, CryEngine will not actually render a bullet, but will try and predict a path based on ricocheting. And you know, you shoot the gun, yeah. it takes out A, B, and C. They are actually trying to render it along the path. They're just going above yeah. and beyond what anything else out there can do. So I reckon it's probably too many moving parts causing too much of a strain on the system, which is resulting in uh, system-based lag as opposed to network-based lag. I believe from what I saw from the build, uh, some of the builds and some of the talk about and updates from Star Marine, there is probably 
three to four times as many objects that have to be interacted with in the Star Marine, in the first person version, as is as there is in space. Meaning that the yeah. tablet on the table gets shot or knocked over and falls to the ground. Yep. And the chairs, the lights. yeah, the chairs are movable. And, the, you know, there's just so much in there that it's causing a bottleneck in the code. Also, bear in mind that it's not just that they've got to do this for the traditional sort of states with the built-in physics engine, but at any time the gravity can be switched off on a map. So not only does that object have to know when it gets hit, if gravity's on, do it this way. It has to know if this gets hit and gravity is off, then actually I've got to go this direction and then I've got to bounce off of here and ricochet. And it's just, there's literally so many moving parts, many components, like Jeff was saying. I reckon it's causing system-based lag. This is what I've been sort of talking about. Like, this may be a little too ambitious and maybe maybe it might be smarter to scale it back a notch okay so now it's time for news we didn't use Galactic Guide, Cubby Blast, all you could want to know about this weapons vendor and the whole lot more. Around the Verse episode 53 featuring a sneak peek at the Merlin UI. Bug smashes! Episode 6, like Starship Troopers taught us, the only good bug is a dead bug. OP.net, due diligence, top tips for avoiding shady contracts. Meet the CIG Devs, episode 34, featuring Adam Weezer, associate writer for CIG. And you can now test drive the entire Origin JobWorks 300 series lineup in Arena Commander. So the thing is, given, uh, and we can't mention his name because we've already said it twice and three times and I think he appears in the mirror. So, you know, I definitely can't mention it. But the question still remains, where the f*** is the first person shooter module? Well, like we said last week, we're tired of this being a flippant sort of thing. We're actually going to salute all the other games that have been revitalized and and brought forward that we're having fun with while waiting for said module. And this week, we're going to start off with, I think, the obvious choice, Elite Dangerous. Fans of the space sim genre will know the Elite name well, but for those new, or like Lennon, maybe previously uninformed, uh, Elite Dangerous is actually the fourth in the Elite series. The very first one was released in September 1984. Considering Lennon was less than six months old at that time, well, I guess we'll give him a pass for not hearing about it. At the time, Elite was groundbreaking for being one of the first games for the home computer to use wireframe 3D graphics. Fast forward through its two sequels, Frontier Elite and Frontier First Encounters, to 2012. Much like Star Citizen Elite Dangerous also got its start as a Kickstarter after being unable to obtain traditional publisher funding. Hitting its goal of, I think, $2 million, $2.5 million, and uh, after a couple of alphas and betas for the backers, it was finally released to the world on December 16, 2014. Piloting your very own Flying Dorito, I, uh, I'm sorry, Sidewinder, you get to explore, trade, fight, and pirate through a realistic, one-to-one scale, open-world galaxy modeled as closely as possible on our very own. I've had a great time in it. I've got me a smooth Imperial Clipper ship. I can haul cargo. I can blow up pirates. I can explore. Uh, With the latest update, I've got a huge fuel tank, which means I don't have to refuel very often. It is a fun, fun game. Yeah, I've still not managed to get the fine point of refueling without blowing your ship up. Because the way uh, you refuel in Elite Dangerous is you have to enter the uh, the corona of a, of a sun, 
and sort of scoop up the floating sort of hydrogen that goes into your into your bay or through a fuel scoop. But because you're so close to the sun, that tends to overheat your ship, and I tend to explode quite often when I'm trying to refuel, which yeah, not the best thing, really. I bought a huge fuel tank so I didn't have to do that anymore. That's uh... what I did. But that's kind of the fun of Elite Dangerous. Uh, everything that you have to do, uh, much like we're talking about in Star Citizen Design, is a bunch of mini-games. The fuel scooping is basically a mini-game that you perform to get additional fuel to get to your destination. You can also land at space stations if you don't want to play that mini-game. You can buy a bigger fuel tank if you don't want to play that mini-game. If you don't like docking, you can buy a docking computer so you don't have to fly through the tiny mail slot. It lets you opt out of parts of the game that you don't necessarily want to fool with, which I think is is good design. But on the other hand, some of the mini-games, like blowing things up, are a lot of fun. Well, I agree. It's a totally fun game. I think it's great. I haven't played a lot of the new patch. Well, as you'd expect from a game similar to Star Citizen, just because it's launched doesn't mean that development has stopped. Since release, Elite has seen some major updates, with its most recent update, Power Play, allowing you to get involved in interstellar politics as you pledge your allegiance and work hard to earn your faction reputation, and ultimately, territory. And they're not stopping there. Although there's no official roadmap, future updates are rumored to include seamless planetary landing and an entire first-person perspective, including EVA and multi-crew ships. Sound familiar? Well, Elite has done one thing that Star Citizen has yet to do. If you're the sort of gamer that prefers consoles, you can now join in the fun as Elite is currently available for preview on the Xbox Game Preview Program. Console. Uh-oh. Console. But but I will stick my hands up and say that actually, even though I play it on the PC, I found the control pad, the Xbox control pad, to be the best interface for it so far. And I know you're all going to be like, oh, well, I use like a trackball and a loaf of bread or whatever it is you use over there. <laughs> but I've got to give the controller no, a shot. It's good. Elite Dangerous made me go out to buy a joystick. I, I've got a Cytec X52 Pro now. And it is super fun. It is a humongous blast playing Elite Dangerous with a joystick and throttle. It's fantastic. Highly recommend. Well, one, one cool thing about Elite, though, is that they have tried really hard to map the galaxy correctly. Like, as they take as much scientific data as they can. Like, the density of brown dwarf stars, they've, they've used that to model the galaxy and the position and location and, and luminosity of known stars in the night sky. They've, they've modeled that accurately. Pluto, with the New Horizons stuff, they took a guess from the Hubble data and modeled a, a, a planetary surface for Pluto based on Hubble. And then we got the New Horizon data and the very preliminary stuff. And people were asking them, well, why don't you just go ahead and change your surface model? And they're like, oh, no, we want to wait for the good stuff about a year from now so we can put the actual height measurements and radar data in there. So we have Pluto accurately mapped so that eventually one day when you, you can get close to planetary surfaces in the game, you could like fly through that canyon on Sharon that we talked about in, in Squawk Box. So they're really trying to be as close to the real universe as they can. And that will bring us to this week's community question. What are your thoughts on combining Arena Commander and Star Marine? Should they have kept the development track separate, or was it time to put them on the same rail? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all cut up with the latest news from around the burst, let's check out life aboard a Starliner in Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. (laughs) 
gentlemen, this is your pilot speaking. We've cleared Atmo and are about two hours away from the jump. Until then, please enjoy our in-flight refreshments and entertainment with the compliments of Meridian Transit. Let me tell you, Wilson, this is business travel done right, Starliner style. You said it, Jenkins. Why do all the flying yourself when the professionals will get you there just as fast? And wait on you hand and foot while they do. No grungy fuel depots, sketchy repair shops. Yeah, no pirate consultants or crazy old men. Ha! I'll drink to that, if I had a drink. Oh, relax. The in-flight service just started, remember? I'll just, uh, hit the call button on this thing. Huh, information, communication, and entertainment services... Doesn't say anything about drinks. Uh, I'll forget it. Here comes the steward now. Uh, Good day, gentlemen. My name is Sean. I'll be your flight attendant today. Uh, How may Meridian Transit assist you? Well, steward, the first thing I need is a stiff drink. Uh, Actually, my name is Sean, not Stuart. Well, yeah, we know your name is Sean, and obviously you're the steward, and I'm in the mood for a Spectrum program or two. Of course, of course. As your flight attendant, I'll attend to those requests right away. Uh Oh, oh, good news. Your tickets include a choice of refreshment and an entertainment package at no additional charge. Fantastic. Tell us more, Stuart. Great. Well, the frugal flyer package includes a half liter of lukewarm tap water and a 30-minute infomercial played on continuous loop. Um, that's not what we had in mind. Are you sure? Oh, it's Kent Dog's cash with Spectrum personality, Gary Kerrigan, you know? I'm Gary Kerrigan. Uh, huh. People tell me I do a pretty good impression. Yeah, it's not bad. But, but, but what other choices do we have? Uh, well, that's it, actually. Um, that's your choice of A, refreshment and entertainment package. Just the one choice. Okay. Well, we're traveling on business, right, Jenkins? You know, these are all deductible expenses, yeah? So, uh, what else you got? Yes, what do you have for a moderate additional charge? Right, sure. Gotta tally those receipts at the end of the year. Can't let old Uncle Ernie Edward tax away all the profits, right? (laughs) (laughs) Great, okay, good. I have just the thing. For only 10 UEC each, you can select the Fragrant Flyer Package. Fragrant Flyer? Mm Mm-hmm, right, yeah. It's a can of tomato juice, four ounces of Limburger cheese, and a hemp yarn puppet show performed by my co-worker Edna, who wears too much perfume. Uh, it it covers up the cigar smoke. It's kind of a problem. I'm not sure that's a, a great deal. Well, it's the most modestly priced package that includes free medical diagnosis and treatment. Most people tolerate the Limburger fairly well, but, you know, there's always exceptions. I think we'll pass on that. Oh, do you have a lactose sensitivity? Oh, you, you didn't mark that on your reservation. Uh, maybe we'll spend a little more. I'd like a real drink from your Mixmaster station. Yeah, and I would like, you know, an actual Spectrum show. Oh, no, no problem. I totally get it. Corporate big shots off to conquer boardrooms across the galaxy, huh? Yeah? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes! Great. So I have the Freedom Flyer package for 200 UEC. A uh, Freedom Flyer, that sounds more like it. You should open with that one next time, Stuart. Well, it is a bit pricey. You know, I don't offer it to just anyone, if you know what I mean. Are you sure the Freedom Flyer package is right for you? (laughs) What do we look like to you, Stuart? A couple of rubes that just bounced off the turnip truck? Look, buddy, we've heard about the legendary Meridian Transit in-flight service. All we want is for you to step it up and provide it. Oh, sure, sure. I totally get it. And you've convinced me. 
this package is right for you. Just tell us what we get. All right, with the Freedom Flyer package, you get a nice hot cup of Shut the F*** Up and a front row seat to the motion picture sequel, Stop Bothering the Flight Attendant 3, You Only Paid for Coach, starring you two ass clowns. And next time, try to be a little nicer when someone does their Carrie Carrigan impression for you. And I'll be right back with your lukewarm tap water. Ladies and gentlemen, we're having some trouble with our ICES system, but we do have the most recent episode of Kent Dog's Cash on our backup drives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to the Dog's House, sponsored by Kent Dog's Cash. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! Some say the Queen refers to him as ever vivacious, and that he's the sole survivor of the Royal Synchronized Swimming Team. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. What's keeping you busy until the vision becomes reality? That's the question we asked last week. What other space sims or games should we cover during our Where the F*** is the First Person Shooter module segment? Well, Ben Sanders, who his initials are BS, says, Obviously, stuff like, but not limited to, joining forces with a certain frequency to be reckoned with. Other than that, he's been playing Ark, Elite Dangerous, Witcher 3, and Amazon Prime Day. Interesting. That sounds like a great video game. Oh, it was. But uh, to just quote Ben uh, Lesnick, sent out a tweet on that, which is quite good. He was like, ugh, Prime Day has become so commercialized. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. He says, might start a trek across the country to see if I can find the mythical Jeff McComb and see if he really does exist in the Washington State wilderness. Oh, like He's it. a legend. I got a fan! <laughs> <laughs> and a co-worker. Yes. Welcome aboard, Ben First First Problem Sanders. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, he's been working hard for the last month or so on getting us a patch design, which we've reviewed here and finalized, and it's with the production facility now. So we should have those in about two weeks, I think. That's the delivery timeline for us. So we'll have those for our Patreon backers and start getting those out to you guys, the fans. Well, kudos to Ben, then. Good job. Oh, indeed. Sean Newboy says, Plane Naming 101, Lesson 1. Do you want to hear your child making Zoom noises saying, Look at me, Dad, Mom, I'm a... Insert possible name here. The people naming the Nimrod did not know this rule. Wonderful show, everyone. As for the community question, playing other games. Good answer, Sean Newboy. According to the post-show blooper reel, several of you had problems with the English language. LOL. <laughs> I think that's a recurring that's theme, every- isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Well, I, I really expected more feedback on the community questions. I'm sadly disappointed. Not by Ben and, and Sean, though. I mean, I'm glad they, they wrote in, but uh, come on, guys, tell us what you're playing. Na 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 na. Oblong man. <laughs> References to the show graphics say that chart is such nonsense. You should use the one posted in the RSI forums that lists how many months until each of these projects got to beta. Hint: generally brisky. Well, that's probably because they weren't pushing the envelope quite as much. What, uh, what was on there? Elder Scrolls, Star Wars, Old Republic, EverQuest. I think was yeah. on there. I mean. The graphic had ranges from three years to seven years, I think. The point being is that Star Citizen has only really been in full development mode for about less than three. No panic is really called for at this time. We can comment and deliberate and debate on their strategic and tactical choices as the development process goes along because they're so open about it. But I think panic is not warranted at this time. 
Theron Chan writes in and says, How is Star Citizen any different than No Man's Sky's seamlessness and persistence, aside from the higher fidelity, which will most likely be on the client side anyway? Gimme now! We have a hajillion first-person shooters. CRG wants to make it the best damn way they can, so if they release a crappy first go, everyone will cry, same old stuff, and CIG never learns. And no one will care when it's actually awesome two months later. Regarding the concept ship sales, he says, I agree, the sales are required for cash flow. People mostly complained because of the Starliner price, but the Reliance sold like hotcakes, and the Vanguard sold like flacker. In brackets, lol, look it up. I think that's for you, Jeff. Obviously, us young people know what it's all about. If it was a cash grab, they'd price everything lower and sell FPS weapons and armor. And even if there were no concept sales, the FPS would still be delayed. In my opinion, CIG needs to be more proactive, less reactive to news. Weekly updates should have happened at the end of April, not once the torch and pitchfork bearers were already assembled. If Joe Blow, pretty important guy, or even Joe Blow intern is leaving, post a snippet saying, hey, we'll miss you and we wish you the best, and CIG does not comment on current and former employees. Done. Then say we'd love to welcome these 10 people to the CIG team. Then people see, okay, so one guy gal left for whatever reason, but they hired 10 more people. Awesome. Don't let the tail wag the dog, but I have full faith we'll have the best damn space sim ever. That was actually a condensed version of a yes. very uh, thorough post by Theron Shan. Shiv boiled it down, and I... I, I well done. I don't think I see anything there that I'm going to disagree with at all. That's fantastic, especially the point about the personnel changes. I think the, one of the biggest problems that I had uh, last week or two weeks ago was that we found out that Alex Mayberry left from those random game websites that are now interviewing and quoting, he who shall not be named lest he appear in a mirror somewhere. So that was not good. That was a mistake. So don't make any more of those mistakes. Do what Theron Shan says here. Post a salute, adios, wish you well, have a nice day, and then no comment after that. That, that would be the better way to handle it. Star Citizen Italian says, we should make a slogan out of it, quote, no need for refunds, as in response to our little delay that we had last week releasing our show. You know, it happens. It happens. Yep. Osteron says, good show. People should sign up for Patreon specifically to hear the live recordings such as the one for this show. The parts after the intro are solid gold. I bet they are. I'm rather surprised Tony took such a position he did on the development. Re, what sacrifices may have been made. Creating distinct and walking around versus flying zones in the game would, I think, completely eliminate the possibility of multi-crew ships, at least the way they're designing them currently. It would probably have to do something where non-pilot or gunner positions would be locked into their consoles playing mini-games. I would have thought it would have been a deal-breaker for Tony. In general, I'm willing to give CIG the benefit of the doubt, mostly because of Mr. Lesnick. I feel like it ever got to the point where there were legitimate, provably insurmountable problems, and for some reason Chris tried to keep everyone in the dark, which I doubt would ever happen anyway, Ben would still find a way to get the word out about what was really happening. As for other games, I'm not pulling my joystick out for much these days. I've been immersing myself in turn-based tactical world of XCOM, Enemy Unknown. I think I'd only pick up a space sim at this point if it were mostly a single player and had a really immersive story like Free Space or the Jupiter Incident did back in the day. I'd welcome coverage of a game like that if it turns up. Good post. Yeah, the multi-crew ships thing as currently envisioned, not a deal breaker. I mean, it would be disappointing but we'd have multi-crewed ships. Even if I couldn't unbuckle my seatbelt and walk around and get blown out of an airlock when the missile hit, I would make that sacrifice. I'd make that trade. 
Mm. Um, See, I wouldn't. You, you wouldn't? Ultimately, I probably would. But if it's just for the sake of development time, no, absolutely. I think that it should stay as they'd envisage it. Preferably, we get the local gravity and, you know, 16, 24, 32, 64, however many ships that can fit into an instance. All those ships have their own local gravity fields and, and all the particle collisions work and the bullets fly and the lasers go and the missiles explode. I mean, hopefully it all works. But if they have to start cutting stuff, lock me into my chair. Just lock me into my chair or come up with some sort of Star Trek technology that makes everybody fly with a gravity field that always points down. Just whatever. Or have no gravity. Whatever. I don't care. There may be a point where someone has to make some choices. Lock me into my chair for multi-crew. I'll be okay. On the other hand, I think we have another segment idea. The Free Space Mod Diaspora. Have you guys ever played that? Uh, no. It is a Battlestar Galactica yes, mod. Yes, I was trying to remember space. what it was. Yes, I have. Sorry. Oh, you played that one? Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It Which is made the actual death. official Battlestar MMO type thing that they released really disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why bother with that thing? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, Diaspora should have been the official one. Yeah, without a doubt. Flixreen writes in and says, Entertaining, informative, I really like it. First time listening to this podcast, and I must say I was impressed. Even if the intro was a bit meh. But the real-life news about the F-35 and so forth made up for it. I'll probably check this out in the future. As our tagline has always been, it's a pretty good show. You should should check check it out. out. And he's going to. In the intro, I mean, it's supposed to be meh. You're supposed to, like, build anticipation for the good stuff. It's the drum roll. And it's a minute 30, right? Minute 30, right? Yeah, I think it's more than that. Maybe we should have more drama. Coming up on this episode of Guard Frequency. (laughs) (laughs) Arc Minor Charges, whatever it was. Arc Charge Miners. Arc Charge Miners, that's what it was. Berserker01 says, I would have to disagree with Tony on the doubts about the technology being there for the multiplayer infrastructure. There have been games built that can handle hundreds of players in a single instance for first-person shooters and vehicle combat games since the mid to late 2000s. Of course, the ability to have details and huge art assets with hundreds, if not thousands, of players is a hallmark of MMOs going back to Ultima Online. The innovation that CIG is doing is bridging the massive online worlds of MMOs with the skill-based first-person games like Arma or Battlefield. It's certainly possible, but still ambitious, as it hasn't been done before, and like all ambitious projects, it could take no time or months to get it right. What we signed up for as backers, something new and interesting, which pushes the limits of what can be done. I personally would rather the game be delayed to make sure it's in the right state for release than push out a steaming pile of code, which is virtually unplayable. That sounds more like the smart way. (laughs) You know, the smart way. I didn't say the full name. I didn't say the full name. I'm just reading the copy. I actually edited it a little bit, so I didn't say the full name. And we don't know if that S was capitalized or not. Yeah. It just was the smart way to make a game. He's mostly right on, but I think that, as we discussed earlier, there's also the problem with... you can. Pu- I think you can push the CPUs and your GPUs, and you can push the network. I think if you're pushing both, you're asking for trouble. And I think they're doing both, and so they're asking for trouble. Let's put it on the possibly-to-be-discussed list of where can we cut some of the overhead to make a playable product. If the choice is between three more years of development to get to alpha complete or beta, maybe we cut the thing that takes 18 months and move the whole schedule up. Well, you know, at that point, I'd have to agree with you because there were some comments in our show that said what we really backed was a space sim. Not a first-person shooter, but a space sim. And I would love to be able to get around, get outside, land planet side, walk around, but that that's really not a first-person shooter. That's more like getting out and around our ships and walking around and interacting with the environment. However, I will take the space sim over anything else. 
I think it depends on at what point you came into the project, at what point you backed. If you came in at the later times and you saw the whole vision, you know, like me, I really am looking forward to the first-person universe, not necessarily the shooting part of it, but the idea of walking around inside of your multi-crewed ship and swapping seats with your gunner and stuff like that. That would that, That's, like, Tony, awesome. golden ticket here. Remember? Golden ticket. Yeah, I know. You came in before any of that ever happened, and so we're, we're at different points in the spectrum. Right. But I've come around to your way of thinking, Jeff. Bottom line, I just want a playable space fighter game now. And I'd rather have it sooner rather than later. Now, I'm not saying I need it now. I've got other games to play. I've got other things to do. I'm, I'm cool. Take the time you need to make something good. But there's got to be, again, some balance between transparency and flexibility. Between having the entire vision in four years or having 80% of the vision in two years. I think I'd take 80% of the vision in two years over the whole thing in four. Yes, and I, and I agree with that. I mean, I would like to see a goal of, you know, the beta in two years of the whole thing rather than the whole thing in four years. And I'd rather take the space in portion of that. One of the earlier commenters talked about the F-35. I mean, I, I think of the F-35 as an allegory for some of the warning signs that you can have. If you try to make a thing do everything, it might not be able to do anything. But if you make something like the F-15 we talked about last week, if you make something do one thing really well and you engineer it really well, it can grow. You know, it can take on things. When the F-15 was originally designed, the motto was not a pound for air to ground. That was the motto of the design team. We're not going to waste a single thought or a single dollar or a single nut or bolt or rivet on dropping bombs on the ground. 20 years later, they came out with the F-15 Strike Eagle, which is like a really, really good air-to-ground plane. And the F-15 SA can do both. So I think that maybe take a page off of the F-15 side of things rather than the F-35 sort of things. Make it do one thing really good and then build on that. I'm not even too sure that they necessarily need to do that. Honestly, what I think would be really good is it generally comes down to frequency of release, in my opinion. It's like we go for ages without any sort of patch or any sort of update. So as we are all in alpha and we know everything's broken, what I would like to see is something not necessarily this strictly regimented, but something similar in the in the spirit of nightly builds. Because what we end up with is 1.1.5 will go on the PTU for two weeks, but by the time it's on the PTU, it's basically 90% there, and they're still, in my opinion, trying to make sure that we don't see the rough edges. A lot of software projects out there, they have this thing called nightly builds. Basically, at the end of the working day, they check their code in, they put it up online, and anybody who's of a technical mindset can download it, compile it, and run it, knowing full well that yes, they'll have the bleeding edge features, but that means you're going to get cut a bit. You know, they still have regular releases for those who want to play a polished, stable version, but, you know, for those of us who don't mind seeing the broken edges, why not let us see more of the in-development stuff? And the part that stings is that for a little while, that's what they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the PTU, and then, and then they merged the branches. It's basically the same thing now, the PTU and the live release. You know, PTU just goes up there for last-minute bug catches, but if it went up there and there wasn't any bugs, it would just go straight. So, yeah, they're so close to doing it properly, and it comes back to, again, in my opinion, trying to polish out as many kinks as possible before letting us play it. No, let us play it when it's half-broken. Like you said, it's better to see surely 80% of a first-person shooter module than 100% of it. And maybe with their new patching system that goes a lot faster and is more efficient, maybe that's something they can finally realize. Maybe the old patching system just wasn't up to the task. Yeah. So, I mean, and maybe all these things are coming. We just have to be a patient for a little while. Yeah. Well, our new patron this week is James B. And our winner is 
James B. The stars are aligned. The new Patreon is the winner. Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. And a reminder of this week's community question, what are your thoughts on combining Arena Commander and Star Marine modules? Should they have kept the development tracks separate, or were they right to put it all on one rail? Let us know your thoughts by sending an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com, or post on our show thread either at the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum or on our website guardfrequency.com. So how was the show? Did we manage to wait patiently until release, or should we be issued a refund without requesting one? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe to feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just look us up on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 80 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 81 on July 28th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space in podcast ever? If so, just send us a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister publication, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greatest Star Trek universe. Just head on over to PriorityOnePodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights and you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live, we start recording around 11 p.m. Central, that's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire community over at GuardFrequency.com and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben Sanders, and Simon Charlton Edwards. Our audio engineer is Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Squawk 7700. Stay on the curve. The probe will look for telltale occlusion of potential... God. The probe will look for... <laughs> the. I, I tripped over the word the. Okay, that's how bad this is going to be this week. Oh, man. <laughs> the. <laughs> it's, it's, we're six minutes long, but like three minutes of it is going to be cut. From it's fine. The... On to general... Go, Jeff. Okay. Go, Jeff. And I love timing that exactly right. You know, it's like it's a it's a skill I hone. Do you know that? Shut up. <laughs> Just like stumbling over the word the. It's takes practice. Mm. Seamlessness. Yeah, I know. It's uh, <laughs> that's right. Jeff. Hey, at least it's a five syllable action. word. Seamlessness. Three syllables. Whatever. It's another long one. Oh, I always get the long ones. Jeff gets all the hard to pronounce names, and I get the long ones. Something new and interesting was something new and interesting which puts it. Which pushes. Something new and interesting with...
God, fish, Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, then check out our sister product. Blah. Damn it, I updated the copy for Jeff, and now I stumble on it myself, and I know I could run with either, but whatever. Let's try this again. A new episode for 10 for the Producers was released this week in which... Oh, hang on. Oh, oh, oh. A new episode of 10 for the Producers. Didn't I say that? And you said four. Oh. Excuse me. A new... You're excused. <laughs> go, Jeff. <A> new... <laughs> Jeff, go. Go, <laughs> Jeff, go. Ah! God, you always do this. You know, I don't do this when you. I when know, you that's up. why it's funny. That's why it's funny. A new episode of 10 for. <laughs> oh. 10 for the producers was released this week in which Darian Volek, Vorlek, in which Darian Vorlek and. Vor- Vorlek. Vorlek. In which Darian. Oh, God. I'm contained. I know. In which Darian Vorlick and Eric Kerry. Oh my God. Why do you Chiron. give me that these? One, that things? one's officially weird. Yeah. Chiron. <clears throat> and Eric Chiron Davis tackled 10 questions sent in for the. Oh uh, man. To- I got Tonyitis. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Jeff gets the immortal disease and I get the can't pronounce things right disease. This is not fair. <laughs> Tackle 10 questions sent in for. The- of, I, for, and from. from I know, in fact, three I know words. that. Man, I'm having trouble with the. <laughs> Jeff can't get his prepositions straight. Lennon, you're, I want you to practice your vowel sounds, Lennon, because I think that's where you're going to go wrong this week. Firstly, Citizen X Todd Max says, <laughs> why do people put their names like that? I think like, it's supposed to be X. Uh, why do people put their know. names like that? Anyway. And Eric lets us know that actually they benefit a lot from the things that come up during making a playable build. Bing. Oh, who did that? I don't know who did that, but it wasn't me. Michael Duncan did that. Michael Duncan. Mikey. You're, We're not you're hearing so someone okay. on the live stream. I can hear Tony, but none, but no one else, it seems. Ooh. 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 That's not good. But I'm the most important person, so it's yeah. okay. I'm the immortal. You better get yeah, it. But fixed. Let's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just hang on. Have the limelight after you die. Playback is. Uh, playback was set to default, but how come? How am I hearing you from? Uh, uh, because by default, it's your speakers or your headset. Well, that's, what or, I, that's what I said it to. That's what I said it to. But it should be going through voice meter, and then voice meter should be going. Oh, okay, okay. See digital, see yeah, virtual audio cable. That's what I want. And now you okay, probably won't be able to hear us. There. So you might have to. Now you're talking. And now I can't hear you. Uh, there we go. It's exactly what I said. I hate I'm being on right it, sometimes. The virtual audio cable it should be just fine, but it's not. No, it is. You just need to restart TeamSpeak. You it's can hear me. You just, it is. It is. Why are you being stupid, stupid machine? I see you lighting up, Lennon. Yes, I know. And I see you sending you messages. Saying things. Yes. Look in the, look in the chat. Think. Or it might just be me. Look in the chat. No. Look in the chat. And voice meter. No, look in the chat. But I don't hear you. Ah, look all. in the chat. Uh, you get to explore, trade, and fight. Oh, oh, that's oh, you use pirate as a verb there. Okay, I like that. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. You like to explore? Ugh, you like to. You I get do. to. 